So if you'd like to follow along this morning uh, for the message, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 to begin this morning. Hebrews chapter 4. Here in this section of the book of Hebrews, the author is speaking to us about spiritual rest. And he's using the Old Testament story of the Israelites after having been delivered out of Egypt and coming towards the promised land, never entering the promised land. But that generation wandering and roaming for 40 years and never entering into that land of milk and honey that God offered to them. He's reminding us that this physical place that the Old Testament calls the promised land was more than just a physical place. It represented the place of spiritual rest where you and I become settled with God, where you and I become satisfied with God, and where you and I become secure with God. And he's telling us, because this is more than a physical place, that this rest is still available for you and I today as the people of God. In fact, I wanted you to go to chapter 4 first of all this morning, because notice again, in chapter 4 verse 1, he reminds us that his rest remains open. And then in verse 6, He says, it remains for some to enter it, speaking of his rest. And then over in verse 9 of chapter 4 of Hebrews, he says, a Sabbath rest remains for the people of God. But then in verse 11, he tells us, thus we must make every effort to enter that rest. And the reason he is saying that is because back in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, we must as God's people be wary. It means to be alarmed, to be concerned that while the promise of entering his rest remains open, none of you seem to have come short of it. To be left out. To miss out. See, just like the Israelites whom God delivered out of Egypt after being enslaved for 400 years. They were delivered. They were saved out of slavery, but they never experienced God's rest. They wandered. They roamed. They were restless for that whole generation. And the author is saying... God is offering us as his people this spiritual rest. And yet his concern, even for those that he's writing to, is that maybe just like the Israelites, they'll never experience it. That they'll live for months or years as one who knows God, one who's been delivered by God, but one who's never really Settled with God, one who's never really been satisfied with God alone, one who's never totally secure in God, and therefore they never are at rest. 
And because in chapter 4, verse 11, the author says, we must make every effort to enter that rest. He's saying, look, you and I, as even the people of God, can't passively sit back and think that God's just going to take us to the promised land, if you will, any more than God was willing to take his people to the promised land. They had to partner with him. They had to have some skin in the game. They had to be willing to do their part, which is the whole book of Joshua, that once that generation finally did die off under the leadership of Joshua, they had to go in and they had to fight for that land. But it was going to be theirs because God promised it to them and he was going to be with them and they were going to face and, and, and deal with every battle and, and everything that they needed to as long as they continued to trust God, unlike the generation previous to them. And the same thing is true today. Just because we are children of God, if we have entered into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and God has saved us, that doesn't automatically mean that we are enjoying or experiencing God's rest. We've got to do our part. God offers it to us. We've got to make every effort. And so last week, we saw that one of the ways that we make an effort to enter into that rest, if you'll go back then to chapter 3, verse 7, is to listen to God as He speaks to us. Three times in chapters 3 and 4, the author tells us this. He says, Oh, that today you would listen as God speaks. Do not harden your hearts, as in the day of rebellion, in the day they tested me in the wilderness. The word harden means to be stubborn, inflexible, refusing to hear what God says. And it's not that physically they weren't hearing the voice of God. God was speaking very clearly to that generation whom he delivered out of Egypt. The problem was they wanted to get to the promised land, if you will, their way. They, they wanted to do it their way and they didn't want to follow God. They didn't want to trust God. They didn't want to put their confidence in God. In fact, they really didn't put their confidence in God at all because God says, I'll give it to you, just trust me. And you remember the story of the spies and the report where they sent these spies into the land. They came back and most of them said, oh my goodness, there's giants in the land. And there's so many more of them and they're bigger than we are and we can't do it. And of course, Joshua and Caleb were like, yes, we can. We just need to trust God. But the majority ruled and the majority basically were saying, we can't trust what God has said. And so God says, because you wouldn't listen to me, you'll never enter my rest. In fact, if you go over then to chapter 3 and look at verse 14. He repeats, oh, that today you would listen as God speaks. Do not harden your hearts. And then one more time in chapter 4, verse 7. Oh, that today you would listen as he speaks. Do not harden your hearts. So last week we saw that one of the efforts that you and I can make to enter into God's rest, unlike that generation, was that when God is speaking to us, we listen to Him and we do not harden our hearts. We do not become stubborn, inflexible in our heart, unwilling to 
listen to God, to go his way, to do what God says to do. If we continue to go down that road, God basically says, you'll never experience that rest. You will be like the generation coming out of Egypt that will be restless your whole life. You will wander, you will roam, but you will never be at rest. Now that was just a review from last week. This week we want to examine three other verses and they are in chapter 3. And begins at verse 12. Where again the author is saying to us, This is the effort, if you will, that God is looking for us to put forth so that we will enjoy and experience his rest. And so he starts out in verse 12 with this. See to it, brothers and sisters. The words see to it means to be always aware of. To be alert to something. He's saying, make sure you pay attention It'd be like, you know, him saying to us, don't keep driving down the road without making sure you see that sign. You miss that sign, you're going to miss something big. Well, here the author is saying, make sure as a child of God that you're not going to miss what God's about ready to show us. And obviously by using the term brothers and sisters, he's not talking to people who don't know God. He's talking to people who know God. We are brothers and sisters. We are fellow believers. We are part of the same spiritual family. In fact, this word in the original language literally means those born from the same womb. God has fathered us if we believe in Jesus Christ. And we are born again as Jesus told Nicodemus. We have been born from above. We all have one birth, a physical birth, but in order to enter the kingdom of God, we've got to have two births. We've got to have a physical birth and a spiritual birth. And when we do that, then we are placed into the family of God. And we become brothers and sisters. So he says to us who claim to be Christians... Let's be aware of something. Let's be alert to something. And what is that we need to really continually be aware and alert to? Verse 12. That none of you. That means every one of us. There's no one excluded from this. That any one of you has an evil, unbelieving heart that forsakes the living God. See, the author of Hebrews is making it very clear that it is possible for a child of God to turn their back on God and to forsake Him. It's very possible to do that. Let's go back and examine those some of these key words from verse 12. Again, the word evil here means to be immovable, if inflexible. God is saying... How I define an evil heart is one that cannot be moved, one that cannot be touched. Just like the children of Israel, whom I delivered out of Egypt, they continued to harden their hearts. And as we said last week, the hardening of their hearts wasn't just sometime initially and then God made them wander for 40 years. 
he showed us last week that that was a persistent hardening. That throughout the whole 40 years of their wandering, they continued to harden their hearts to God. So God is asking us, what's the condition of our heart? Jesus talks a lot about this in the parables. When he talks about like the parable of the soils or the sower and says, look, there's nothing wrong with the word of God. It's the seed. But the seed can fall on different kinds of hearts. And Jesus is trying to point out there in those parables that that in order for the word of God to penetrate and really do its work, we've got to have a heart that allows that word to get in there and get in deep and penetrate our heart. So often, even as Christians, our heart can become hard and have like a shell around it. And the word of God or that seed just sort of bounces off of it and never penetrates and never profits us or benefits us in any way. And so the author is saying, is it possible for a Christian to have an immovable, inflexible heart? Yes. And then he uses the word unbelieving. This word means to be faithless towards God, to distrust God. God is calling us to trust Him, to place our confidence in Him, to believe in Him. It's the way we need to live as Christians. The just shall live by faith. We're not just saved by faith. We are to live every moment of our lives by faith. But can we get to a place, as a Christian even, where we stop trusting God and stop putting our confidence in Him and believing in Him? Absolutely. And when that happens, the author says, we will forsake the living God. We will depart from Him. We will leave Him. He doesn't leave us, but we can say bye-bye to God. And we can pull away or pull back from God. We can put distance between us and God. And the author is saying, any of us are susceptible. Any of us are vulnerable. That's why he says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you or any of you. It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor who's known God for 40 some years of my life and been in ministry 30 years. I am just as susceptible as you. If I don't stay on the path of following Jesus Christ and listening to him every day, I'm just as susceptible to getting to a place in my life where I depart from my God. That's why we've got to call Christians to be continuously engaged in their Christian life. And why we've got to continually grow and be on our toes spiritually. Because the author is saying, don't we realize that any of us at any point in our life, no matter how long we've been saved, no matter what we've done for God in the past, if we don't keep our Christian walk with God present now, we can all walk away from God. And you and I know that at times in our life, Or we know family members and friends who at one time, they had a close walk with God. They were faithful to church. They were faithful in reading and studying the Word of God. They were faithful in their prayer life. They they witnessed. They shared the gospel with people. But where are they now? And so what 
effort? Does God want to see in us in order to prevent any of us from forsaking him? Verse 13. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, exhort one another each day. Let's stop there. The word exhort means to encourage, but more than that, it means to strengthen. So God is saying, here's why I call my children to come together and be part of a community of believers and to connect with each other and live in in constant contact with each other and be involved with each other. Because we all need to be encouraged and strengthened continuously. See, unlike today, where you have many Christians say, I don't need to be part of a local church. And and I don't need to be engaged in my local church. I can navigate this Christian life on my own. They are just like the children of Israel who said, I can get to the promised land, but I can get there my way. No. God says, You want to enjoy this rest, you've got to do it my way. And my way is this. Listen to me when I'm speaking to you. And one of the things I'm trying to tell you is, if you're going to be a Christian that is continually experiencing my rest, then you're going to have to be a Christian who's continually engaged with each other, being strengthened and encouraged by others, and then being in a place where you can continually encourage and strengthen other Christians. And notice he doesn't say, encourage each other once a week, does he? Or encourage each other once or twice a month. You know why? Because God knows something that sometimes we don't acknowledge enough. And that is that God understands that even within a 24-hour period, my heart can start to turn sideways with God. Let me ask you, do you have Christians in your life that in some way encourage and strengthen you every day? God says, that's the way I design it. And you can say, well, I don't need to be encouraged or strengthened every day. God's going to say, just like he said, guess what? You're not going to experience my rest. Because this is one of the things we need to make an effort to do. Can I tell you, this is one of the verses that God really laid upon me before last year about writing this daily blog that everybody, you know, can go to every day. Because it was like, okay, I could do something to help my brothers and sisters out every day. Because God's telling me, I should, if I care about you, If I care about your spiritual well-being and your spiritual health, then I need to try to do something every day to encourage and strengthen you. But again, God is saying this needs to be mutual. This needs to be reciprocal. It's not just about then us as Christians getting to a place where we're encouraged and strengthened, but where we encourage and strengthen each other. And notice, God isn't talking just to the spiritual leaders of the church, just to the pastors and the elders. Or No, He's talking to all of us. Because again, any of us are susceptible to departing or leaving the living God. 
to pulling back or pulling away from God. Any of us are susceptible to that. That's why we need daily encouragement. I've said this to you before, but I'll ask it again. Is there anyone here this morning that says, you know what, Jeff, I've been encouraged so much in my life, I I don't need any more. If you're in that place, I'd really like to meet you. I've never met anyone, including a Christian, who said, no, I, I've, I've had all the encouragement and strengthening that I need. I can just... And yet we live like it sometimes because Christians just get to a place where they almost put it on automatic pilot. And like, we're just going to slide for home now. I don't need to be engaged with God every day. I don't need to be engaged with my brothers and sisters in Christ very much. I got this, God. I'm, 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 I'm good. God says, no, you're not. And can I say this too, because this is just a personal thing with me, because I'm a pastor. And listen, I love a lot of the people who are now involved in the new house church movement. I know a lot of them. They're good people, well-intentioned and well-meaning. But can I tell you, they're doing the same thing because they're trying to get to a good place spiritually without doing it God's way. And here's why. Who's their pastor? Who's the pastor in these house churches? And God way, God's way is, I call pastors to shepherd and care for my flock. And then how is it that some Christians can say, well, you know, I, I need, you know, I need that that way because that's God's way to, to sit under a pastor and be cared for and shepherded and, and taught by a pastor. But this group over here, we don't need a pastor. We, we can do it our way. We can get to where we want to go without doing it God's way. Folks, it doesn't work. The only way, it, it's just like salvation. God says anyone can be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. But if we're going to be saved, guess what? we got to come God's way. And the only way for God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is salvation no other way. And so the author is saying, let's be careful, people of God. Because any of us are susceptible to forsaking the living God. We need to encourage and strengthen each other every day. It's one of the reasons why we here are always talking to you about spiritual growth and growing in your spiritual strength. It's not just for us. It's so that we then can in turn encourage and strengthen other believers, which we are accountable for doing. See, if we're part of the family of God, if we're part of this body of Christ, then we are responsible to strengthen and encourage each other. And again, it's not just the responsibility of the pastor or pastors or elders. It's all of our... He's not just talking to a certain group of people in the church. He's talking to everybody, brothers and sisters. That's why when I run into a Christian, he says, Yeah, I, I don't need to go to church. I just can worship God by myself in my home. One of the things I say to them is, do you realize you're depriving your brothers and sisters of what you could do in their life to encourage and strengthen them? Because it's not just about you. 
The problem is we live in such a narcissistic, self-centered world that that kind of philosophy has even crept into the church amongst Christians who then take upon that philosophy as far as their Christian life and go, I don't need to be at church and I don't need to be engaged and I don't need to do this because I'm good myself. Well, maybe you are, although I don't think you are, but maybe you are. But maybe you should be there to benefit and profit your brothers and sisters because you've got something to give to them. Sorry, just get a little. And then I love this. He says, so exhort one another each day as long as it is called today. Because guess what? We don't have a promise of tomorrow. The only thing we know for sure is now. And God keeps me conscious of that quite often, even as a pastor here. Like even today, as I walked out after Nicole and the worship team were finishing up, I just was reminded again, this could be the last time I ever speak to you. I could die by next Sunday or the Lord could come back. And this might be the last opportunity I ever have to speak to you the word of God. So I'm going to take every opportunity I can because it's today. I don't know what tomorrow brings. I might not even be here by even Wednesday for our midweek Bible study. So I'm going to make sure that I am giving you everything I got because I might not ever have another opportunity to share with you the word of God. And God is saying to us, oh, that we would take that kind of approach to our Christian life. Do what we need to do today. Because that's the only promise that we have. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. He says, exhort one another each day as long as it is called today that none of you may become hardened. We've talked about that before. Stubborn or inflexible by what? By sin's deception. So last week he talked to us about how we could become stubborn or inflexible simply because when God is speaking to us and we hear his voice, we're not listening. But there's another way that you and I can become hardened. See, the first way, sort of God speaking to us, is coming to us from outside of us, and we can become hardened to that. But now the author brings up something else. Now the author is reminding us, do you realize that even as a child of God, you still have the old fallen nature that lives within you? And that now within you, you could be hardened. Because that sin principle still dwells there. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us. And yes, we have a new nature when we are born again. But God doesn't take the old nature out. That's why Christians still sin. And the author is saying, oh, don't, don't, don't miss this. That sin nature, that old fallen nature, that can deceive us. And therefore, we've got to be very wary and careful. That's why we need to continually, every day, be strengthened and encouraged and grow. Because within a 24-hour period, again, my heart could start to go sideways. Why? Because the Bible teaches us about our heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The human heart is more deceitful than anything else. It is incurably bad. And yet, can I tell you what I hear sometimes from Christians as a pastor justifying and rationalizing the decisions and choices they make? Here's what they'll say. 
I'm just following my heart. And I just get this horrified look, I'm sure, on my face. You're following your heart. That's the worst thing you could do as a Christian. Because guess what? Your heart will deceive you. That's why the Bible spends so much time telling us, here's what we follow. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit, to live by the Spirit. And we also follow the clear Word of God. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That's what we as Christians follow. We don't follow our heart. Our heart is deceitful. And we will be deceived and tricked every time we follow our heart. That's why God gives us the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's why God gives us the Word of God. And yet so many Christians are literally being deceived even from within. And that's why the author says, Oh my, see to it, brothers and sisters. Be aware of this. Be alert to this. Pay attention to this. Always. Because there's not a one of us that is beyond getting to a place where we will turn our backs and forsake the living God. We all need to be encouraged and strengthened every day. Which is why God calls us as his people to live in community and connection with each other. And be involved in each other's lives. Besides the clear teaching of the word, this is one of the things that we're trying to do here at the Oasis and have done since we opened our doors five and a half years ago, was to remind Christians of that responsibility. We want people to come and be a part of this church. But we also want everyone who comes and is a part of this church to know that we, before God, have a responsibility to each other. That you can come and just show up on Sunday and leave and no one will ever say anything to you. But you will be challenged over and over again that from God's words perspective, it needs to be more than that. Because we are responsible to strengthen and encourage each other. Again, not once a week. But every day, because within that 24 hours, our heart can start to really turn. And obviously, God knows that better than we do. Because if the church really believed this, then we as the church would be really different than what we are. We wouldn't be so casual and laissez-faire about our Connection to God and our connection to each other. And then verse 14, he closes this section with these words. He says, for we have become partners with Christ, active participants. If we hold our initial confidence firm until the end. The author is saying... Do you want to live your life partnering in, with Christ, with Jesus, walking hand in hand with Jesus? Then he's saying, don't you realize you've got to walk where he's walking? 
And where he's walking is solid ground. If if you're trying to navigate life and still trying to somehow be a partner and participant with Christ in what he's doing, but you're not walking with him, well then he's saying, "You, you can't, that doesn't make even sense. The only way we can partner with Christ, even as his people, is to be willing to go his way. And listen, you and I all know the encouragement we get when we do that. Because Paul said, when I'm walking hand in hand with Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because I'm walking on solid ground, that firm confidence. In fact, that's what the words mean in the original, to walk on solid ground. And Jesus talks about this. He said earlier on in the Gospel of Matthew, he said, if you hear my sayings and you do them, you're going to be like the person that builds their house on a rock. And even though the storms are going to come, your house will stand because it's on solid ground. But if you don't listen to my sayings or you don't do them, then you're building your life on very shaky ground. Let me ask you something. How many of you here this morning have ever been in an earthquake? Raise your hand. Wow. Wow. More than I would have even anticipated. How did that feel? Probably pretty unsettling, right? Were you at rest when you were in an earthquake? Probably not. You know why? Because you and I can't be at rest when the ground underneath us is unsettled. That's what he's talking about in verse 14. He says, too many Christians are choosing to basically walk on unsettled ground in their life. And then they wonder why I'm not stable and secure and steady and why I'm not at rest. Well, it's because I'm walking on shaky ground. The author says, if you and I want to have that rest... And have that stability and steadiness and security. We've got to walk on solid ground. And the solid ground is Jesus Christ and his word. That's the rock. That no matter what is happening, God promises us, you'll walk on solid ground. Because you're walking with me. You're partnering with me. And you're listening to what I'm saying and you're doing it. And there can be nothing more solid than that. So the author is saying, his rest remains. There is a rest, a spiritual place with God, a spiritual position with God that he is offering us as his people rest. Are we willing to enter that rest? And if we are, then we've got to know this. The author says, then we've got, to, we've got to do it God's way. We can't expect to enter God's rest and not do it God's way. We've got to listen to God as he's speaking to us. And we've got to make the effort not only with God to stay connected to God every day, 
According to the author of Hebrews, another way that we will experience his rest is when we stay connected to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because let me repeat, any of us, any of us, can be vulnerable or susceptible to forsaking the living God and never experiencing His rest in our life. Sorry? Sometimes I so want... I so want the children of God to be able to experience His rest... But many times they have a stubborn, inflexible, hard heart. And I'm praying today that if you hear his voice, you will not harden your heart against God. And you will listen to him as he speaks to you. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And I'm going to ask you all to stand with me. And we are going to sing, I surrender all. I pray today that in this place if you hear God speaking just listen do not harden your heart if you want to come here and use the front of this stage in this auditorium to be a place where you meet with God you come as we sing If you want to come here on behalf of someone else, a family member, a friend, someone that you're concerned with, and you want to just talk to your Heavenly Father about them, you come.